good evening. What's up, guys? How's it going? I'll tell you, it's a great day here. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little, um, a little excited. It, it's a, it's Manoa Day, right? And you know, <laughs> um, boy, what a dominant performance he put on today. Um, the Mountaineer product, the West Virginia University product, the 11th overall pick. Um, I, I'll tell you, I can remember a um, couple years back, nobody heard of this, this kid out of West Virginia University, um, and he got drafted with the 11th pick. And I was, I, I was talking at another network, and um, I, I – do believe I may have been one of the first people on air to tell people about Alec Manoa. And today we saw just a glimpse, just a glimpse of what this kid brings to the table. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it's one of those things where um, <coughs> I really look forward to uh, – I really look forward – it's been interesting because I'm a Cubs fan at heart. I, people know this, but um, it, it's tough here in Indianapolis. The home market dictates that all the games are blacked out here, um, whatever. So I haven't got to watch hardly any Cubs games. And, uh, and you know, I've kind of looked at having the MLB.com. I've kind of looked elsewhere. I have Vlad Guerrero on a couple of my teams. So, you know, I've been a big Boba Shed advocate. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Welcome. Um, and, and, you know, bringing in a Mountaineer, to a uh, WVU grad is just icing on top of the cake for me. I am all in on these young Blue Jays. And, boy, this Manoa kid lived up to billing today. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this now. Um, you know, after seeing what I saw today, um, Manoa gets the ball every fifth day for as long as he can handle it. He's a big guy. He throws a hard fastball. And – it's one of those things where he kind of reminds me a little bit of Lance Lynn, a little bigger Lance Lynn, and he's going to be able to shoulder that workload, and that's exactly what Toronto needs. So I am really look forward to um, Manoa Day for the next 10 years, hopefully. Uh, today, of course, in Yankee Stadium, that little stadium, it's interesting that, um, you know, you kind of wonder how he does with the fly balls and such. Uh, six innings pitched. Two hits, zero runs, two walks, seven Ks. Um, I, I tell you, the thing I love most about him is he's really demonstrative out there. He, he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve. And um, it, it's really one of those things. He has really good command and control of his fastball and his slider. And it, those are going to be his bread and butter pitches. He's developed a, sl a sinker and a changeup, which he used 21 and 15% of the time. Um, but he's going to lean on that fastball slider combination, and as well he should. The biggest thing about Manoa today, 14 of 21 first pitch strikes. That's going to get you a long way in the majors, and that's what a lot of these young uh, pitchers don't understand when they come up. You have to control and command. It's just not about throwing strikes. He was throwing good strikes, and that makes the difference between a, a, a rookie pitcher struggling and a rookie pitcher really exceeding expectations, and that's exactly what Manoa did today. Again, um, it, it, it's really <laughs> it's really fun um, watching these games, and 
uh, seeing these guys that you've spoken about um, come to light, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not, it might sound like I'm bragging. I'm not bragging. Um, there are a lot of players I don't, you know, I'm late to the game on, but it, it, this is one of those instances where um, I, I've, I've been really um, on, on this guy for a while and I expect him to be the ace of this staff from here on out in Toronto. He's just what the Blue Jays need. He's that big, burly innings eater. He's going to keep his ERA down. It's a great move for the Blue Jays. A um, couple of the things. So <laughs> I guess I should introduce myself. Chappy here. Chaps Fantasy Chat. I come to you on Thursday nights at 8. Um, Draft for Upside is the is the sponsor, and iLogic Media is the host. So if you go to iLogicMedia.com, there's all kinds of great shows there. You'll see all my shows there. Um, they do a really good job there. So make sure and go check that out. Like and subscribe to my page. You'll get notified of all of my um, shows that I have going on. I also have at 10 o'clock, this is a baseball show during baseball season. At 10 o'clock I have, it's the other angle with Chappie and RC. Please come back and join me. We'll talk some baseball, probably a little bit more holistically at that hour. But um, then we'll also talk about uh, a, a whole lot of NFL stuff. So come back and join me at 10. And, and you know, obviously, StreamYard, ask any questions you might have. And, um, you know, this is meant to be interactive. So if you guys want to know something, please let me know what you're thinking. A um, couple more quick notes. Uh, tonight, of course, we're going to talk about, um, you know, it's interesting. We're all going through injury issues. Some people are going through worse cases than others. Um, I've had some hits this year, but nothing major. I, I, I feel like what happens so often in these scenarios is people start to, uh, uh, woe is me. And really, instead of sitting there and saying, oh, this is terrible, unless it's a case where you're losing a guy for a year, for the year, and it's a redraft league, that's a little different. But still the same mindset has to come into play. How can I use this as an opportunity to make my team better? So tonight we're going to look at some just a few indicators just to kind of give you guys an idea of where I'm coming from and how injuries impact lineup construction and opportunities for increased statistics um, given that situation. What am I, what am I talking about? <clears throat> Mike Trout's injured. You're not replacing Mike Trout, right? But when you look at it, Mike Trout – is your center fielder? He's your uh, I believe leadoff three hitter. I think he's a three hitter. It doesn't matter. It's moot. Um, but you look at how when a guy like that goes out, it impacts it impacts the whole lineup. And when it impacts the whole lineup, you really want to think about who's the beneficiary of that injury. So, not to get too much in, but the beneficiary of that injury, and if they can hold or win the job, is Justin Upton and Juan Lagares. Lagares is one of those weird ones, right? Because it's not like he's ever had this big profile of a power hitter, but he's hitting in that cleanup spot. And let's be honest, he's got some pretty darn good um, hitters in front of him. 
So he's he's put in a spot where he can drive in a lot of lo- runs just by being a competent major leaguer. And although it's not sexy, Lagarde is in a good situation. So instances like that, right, where maybe the Mike Trout owner is, you know, drinking his sorrows. You could be an opportunist and go out and take care of getting Justin Upton or even Lagares. From there, we're going to go to some hot bats, some streaky guys, some guys that you want to use the DFS, um, and, and then some guys that you can kind of look at to add um, short-term, maybe long-term. Uh, last week I did guys who started off cold and then got hot. This week I'm looking at it a little bit differently. I'll go back to that next week. Um, I, I, I I'm looking more of over in the in terms of overlooked situations, right? With with um, with the hot arms and bats for the second tier guys. So we'll talk about that. And then of course you know my favorite section I've been talking about is guys that'll be on your fab hot list next week. Right. So in other words, guys that you could pick up for a dollar or two this week, who next week you're probably going to have to spend a considerable amount or a lot more money. Um, So the thought process here is say you went out and you blew your wad early on on, uh, you know, insert Cedric Mullins or, you know, Alec Manoa or any of these. So say you're you're down to a 30 year budget. You have to start thinking ahead of the curve so you can get these players before they become hot topics. We'll talk about some of those players tonight. So let's get into it, shall we? You know, it's one of those things. I do want to talk about a couple things. you know, of course, White Sox versus lefties. You know, the White Sox are facing ah, – shoot, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, another left-handed pitcher this year. But really, if you're playing DFS, um, you want to get all the White Sox in against your lefties. They're 9-1 and one this year and 23-1 and one since the beginning of last year against left-handed pitchers. Um, that's a 957 winning percentage, and it's easily the highest winning percentage – over a two-season span since 1900. Um, so it's one of those things where if you are if you are playing DFS and you see the White Sox going against a left-handed pitcher, you you really just want to load those lineups up. Um, just one other thing I wanted to talk about. Again, I talked about being a Cubs fan. Uh, it's tough here because you can't watch any other games. Uh, but they've really turned it on. I, I can't help but be happy for Chris Bryant. I think he had his 11th home run today. What the starters have done, though, has been the difference maker. Um, if you look at if you look at Team ERA in April and May, they've cut it in half almost. Um, in April, they were at 489. They were 11 and 15. And, you know... <laughs> 
it, it's not just that. All of all the ancillary numbers as well, right? So we're looking at 35 home runs. We're looking at 124 earned runs, 216 hits. I mean, that's not good. So in May, they've gone 15 and 7 with a 272 ERA. That's a that's a big difference. And, and you know, it what it means to me is the the Cubs can't trade Chris Bryant. They can't, you know, they they have to go out and be buyers at the trade deadline. And I don't think that's what most Cub fans would have. Um, I don't know about wanted to see because I think they they wanted to see you know competent ownership. And going out and adding good pieces to what was a really good nucleus rather than what they did. That's another story for another day. But I think at this point, if you're a Cubs fan, you have to hope that they go out and they try and spend money on an ace. They try and spend money on, you know, good working components because I I feel like they need to keep this nucleus together now. Right. Um, So let's 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 talk about injuries, man. They're they're hitting us all hard, right? I I, I can't stress to you enough that you know living in the moment with these injuries, it's it's hard not to take it, you know, so personally, right? And um, it, of course, every scenario is different. Every scenario is different, and you're not always going to get a scenario where it's it's an easy fix. Um, but if you're trying, there are fixes out there. That's my main point and what I want people to take away from this. I'll give you some examples, just a few, because it's it's one of those things. Each injury, I, I beg you guys to like really think about like what that means. And it doesn't have to be your player. I'll give you an example. Bryce Harper. Goes down. I can't remember what the injury is. It doesn't matter. This is a great opportunity for Brad Miller. It opens up more at bats for him. And he was already getting pretty regular playing time. He becomes a necessity in that Philly lineup. Now, He's hit third. And let's be honest, guys. If we think back to Brad Miller, he's had some competent major league years. He's always been a power speed guy. This is an appealing bat. And, you know, he's being overlooked. Trying to look up Harper's injury, how long he's going to be out for. He's going to be out an extended period of time. And if he plays well, then he'll get regular bats. Upon Harper's return, this is a great opportunity. For a guy who realistically is 2020 potential, 
can hit for high average. Is hitting 304, I think it is right now. Here's another example. And this is a harder sell. Marcelo Zuno. Drew Waters. Now, this kind of, this, again, this is a harder sell. Drew Waters is in a funk in the minors. He's not, I think he's one for his last 18. So you have to see a little bit of an improvement from him. Uh, granted. They have Abraham Almonte. There's some other opportunities. The one thing I don't do is move Austin Riley out to the outfield. That's the one thing I don't do. I don't mess with his bat. Drew Waters is interesting here. Those of you that know me know that I've not been a very big Christian Pache fan. I do like Drew Waters a lot. And it, it's one of those scenarios where he's 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 got a better fantasy profile than Pache. And I think he I I think he's more disciplined as a hitter. So when he comes up, if he's just allowed if he's just allowed to sit in – he's a center fielder. So if he sits in left field and you just let him hit at the bottom of the order, I think he responds well to that. I don't think Pache is a major league hitter. And I'm not saying that – I'm not saying that as a slide on Pache. I'm saying that as – just how I see it. I feel like um, the Braves are in a pickle. They might have to go out and get somebody. And and you really kind of owe it to the rookie to give him a chance before you go out and do that. This is a situation where I'm not sure there's a replacement. I'll tell you who benefits, though, in my mind, is a guy like Dansby Swanson. Erica, I'm drinking Mitchers. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm switching back and forth between Facebook and my sports group, so that's why I'm not answering until now. Mitchers, I'll tell you, that this is really smooth. Um, this is the first time I've had it. I broke a rule tonight. Um, I usually try my bourbon before. I, now, I sipped it, but I didn't have – Try, I mean, have a couple to make sure that, you know, I keep them on the on the uh, road. But I, I, I'm i enjoying it. It's quite smooth. So, this one. You talk about a silly game. Tristan McKenzie. Does he not benefit from the Zach Plesak injury? Comes out, looks great. Has his walks back under control where he was last year. There's all of a sudden an opportunity 
Um, I love what this – now, this kid, he doesn't look like he's built for a workload, does he? Uh, but he, he, he throws the ball hard. And when he, can, when he spots it well, he's a really good pitcher. So I, I feel like this is – you know, the, the Indians need – the baseball team needs – that's weird. Um, I got used to it in Washington. I'll get used to it in, in Cleveland. The baseball team really needs another pitcher now. <clears throat> and if you look at what McKenzie did last year, you know, uh, I, I feel like he he can really be a big bump for them. Um, two and one with a 3, 2, 3.24 ERA over 33 innings pitch. 42 to 9 was his K to walk rate. 42 to 9. That's the kind of pitcher they need. Um, this year, for comparison's sake, 31.3 innings. He's already walked 30 batters this year. 30. Now, granted, 44 Ks. Wednesday night, he had three walks and five Ks. We can live with that. But he's certainly going to get an opportunity because of police sex injury. So you you really can. Um, it's not always it's not always right in front of your eyes. Sometimes you kind of have to think holistically about the situation. And we'll do that. You know, I, I don't want to break down every injury, you know. Um, obviously, the other big one that I talked about at the top of the hour, um, the Mike Trout injury, I think benefits Upton at the top of the lineup. And I think it benefits Lagares. I don't know what kind of ball player Juan Lagares is from an offensive perspective. But as long as he's hitting fourth in that lineup, um, I'm willing to – Experiment with it, right? I mean, if I need an outfielder, I'm going to take a good long look at Juan Lagares. Uh, but to be clear, I think Upton's a clear beneficiary. I think Upton's a clear beneficiary in, in Anaheim, excuse me, in Los Angeles. And, you know, I, I it, clearly he likes hitting at the top of that lineup. We'll talk about him a little later. Shohei start move to Friday. Just came through. So I, I do want to talk about just a little bit some hot arms and bats, some guys who, you know, if you're playing a DFS, these are, these are guys that you, know, you really should be looking at. I do this all the time. Um, I'll go and I'll, I'll go a week back and just kind of look at OPS, slug, um, OBP, average steals and it's, it's good if you're in a year-long league to kind of always be on top of like knowing a guy like brandon crawford a couple weeks back was really hot can really benefit your team um and, and that's why i always do next week's fab because i feel like if you can get on these guys right as they start miguel sano is a perfect example if you got it on him at the beginning of last week um you could have rode what, seven or eight home runs in a seven-day period, that's beneficial. You always want to be looking at those guys. You know, Adolis Garcia is a perfect example. He just hasn't slowed down, right? Um, 
this is one of those guys. <clears throat> People keep giving comps. I love comps. His hands are so fast. But the com- I, this could go one of two ways with Garcia. People talked about the comp with Randy Arizarena. And I see it. I, I see what they're saying. I think they're right. He certainly, you know, you look at his skill set. Um, he, he's in the top whatever percentile speed, sprint speed, so he can steal bases. His power is prolific, clearly. Um, he he has quick hands, so he's hard to fool inside. He's hard to jam up. I can see all of the things that make him a perennial all-star he reminds me a little bit of Jordan Alvarez in that regard, just his overall physicality. But remember when we were calling Aristides Aquino the next Eric Davis? These things happen. That's my point, right? These guys come up and they have – I don't – I'm starting to think Garcia is pretty sure. He's a pretty sure thing. I think, you know, if you look at, so, <clears throat> where do we sit? 290 batting average. 15 home runs. Tied for second in the majors. 24 runs scored. 40, this is as of yesterday, so I apologize. 40 RBIs tied for second. Five stolen bases, guys. We're approximately a quarter way through the season. Approximately. So you're talking about approximately a 20 stolen base guy. Do the math on the homers. 15 homers. Slug, seventh in the majors. 613. So since April 13th, when he was called up, he's seventh in the league with hits. First in, with 44, first in homers with 14, first in RBIs with 38, and fourth in slugging at 603. He and Alec Manoa are going to be the two horses in this rookie of the year race the entire season. So, you know. I'll tell you, you're going to have to pay a pretty pretty penny for him. But I feel like you probably ought to go out and buy high in Adolis Garcia. Because I, I feel like he's here to stay. Only Fernando Tatis has more RBIs than Adolis Garcia over the last seven days. He's been... Consistent. And his hand speed is really impressive. He's really quick through the zone with his hand speed. If you haven't seen him, do yourself a favor. Watch this guy on an at-bat to at-bat basis and basis and just watch the things that he can do. It really is impressive. Um 
Durf, I think you're on here. This is you're gonna love this one. How about Jose Altuve? Hot bats, DFS plays. We're seeing the return of MVP caliber Jose Altuve. 306, five homers, 28 runs, 19 RBIs, just one stolen base. 356 OBP, 429 slug, 796 OPS. Those are just numbers. What I want to know is, versus his career, where are we as Jose, Jose Altuve owners after his really bad year last year? 356 OBP. His career's 361. 429 slug. His career's 458. And 796 OPS. His career's 819. Now, you can nitpick and say those are all down. Those are all comparable. And it's important to notate, everybody wants to go to cheating, and I get it. I do. I understand. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Uh, <laughs> um. He's been consistent. He's been consistent. And and that's the thing you're looking at when when you're trying when you're trying to build a solid team all, all the way throughout, identifying the Jose Altuve's to fill out your roster, right? You have to draft well early, but then you have to get lucky with a couple guys like Altuve. Some more hot bats. How about Fernando Tatis Jr., guys? Look, you guys know I'm hard-headed. You guys know that um, I'm set my ways and I'm hard to convince otherwise. I'll admit that Fernando Tatis is proving to be the number one overall pick in my mind. I still love Juan Soto. I still love Ronald Acuna Jr. He's, dis he's distancing himself from it again, in my mind, Bo Bichette as the second best shortstop. But it's on top of that, you know, um, he's the just like Garcia. He stayed hot. He hasn't really gone on long slumps, and it is he's just he looks like a ten year vet out there. Over his last seven days, two two seven zero OPS, two point two seven zero OPS. That's asinine. Can't just drink whiskey. Sometimes you got to water the pipes with some soda. <laughs> 2.270 OPS, four homers and 12 RBIs in the last seven days. 12 RBIs in the last seven days, guys. Seven runs and three stolen bases just to kind of rub it in. This guy's a – whatever he wants to be, he can be. And he proves it every day. Like I say, I, I get to watch a good bit of West Coast baseball. I've seen him a good bit this year. 
Um, he and Shohei Ohtani are about the two most entertaining players out there, certainly on the West Coast. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, I always um, try and go get players that I feel like are on the cusp of breaking out before the owner really realizes it. And, you know, I, I made a trade recently in, in my home league, um, and I gave up some really good talent to get this guy. But I'm really excited to have him on my my main team. You know, I have two leagues that are really like the leagues that I want to win in the most badly. My home league and then, um, you know, our uh, big money league, of course. But Austin Riley, I just acquired in a group trade. I, I got J.D. Martinez and I gave up. I gave up Arenado, and anyway, I got Riley. I'm happy about it, right? Um, and, and he's been super hot at the plate. 320. Austin Riley's hitting 320. Nine homers, 27 RBIs. Actually, it's 10 homers now. He hit one today or yesterday. 27 RBIs, 20 or 27 runs, 27 RBIs. 27 runs, 21 RBIs. 414 OBP is the fifth best in the league. I was talking about him three weeks ago, I believe, when he was widely available. And, you know, all he's done since then, that he, he won NL Player of the Week. He's hit a homer almost every day. I think they said he's hit seven homers in his last 17 games. And now, again, with the Ozuna injury, hopefully they leave him a third. But he just moves up another spot in the lineup. I look for him to benefit greatly if there is such a thing from that Ozuna injury. So how about some guys? So those guys... Those are the guys that you're not getting most likely, right? You you might be able to get Garcia. Maybe you could snake Riley. Probably not, though. I would trade him. Here's some available names. And these are important parts, too, right? Because you don't always want to give up what you, what you got working for you to get another guy that may or may not work for you. And, of course, every time you're going to trade for one of these guys, you're going to have to give up something you, you didn't want to get rid of. Here's some guys that you might be able to get. How about Ahmed Rosario? Last seven days, 393, two doubles, a triple, 452 OBP and two stolen bases. He's the everyday shortstop. Now that Jimenez has been demoted. And he's a top of the lineup player for the Indians, for the baseball team. I talked about him last week, but I want to emphasize it this week. We're looking at a player who could very well have 2020 this year.
and hit at a de decent average. Shortstop and outfield eligibility. The, the Indians like having this guy as an option. And I, I feel like you're seeing it now as this year's ground on. That they're like, oh, yeah, this guy that is a good player. He is capable. And it, this is an offense, guys. Let's be honest. This is an offense that needs it. Whether it's first, second, whatever. Not like the Mets where he couldn't find the top of the lineup. He's going to hit at the top of the lineup in this in this offense. I love him on reserve for the rest of the year. And he's widely available. How about how about Garrett Cooper? Outfielder from Miami. He said 524 over the last week. Three homers, two doubles, and a triple. Seven runs and eight RBIs. I'm not really gonna say a whole lot about Cooper the player. I do want to talk about, though, Miami's thought process on talent. Miami kind of reminds me of a San Francisco, honestly, Pittsburgh Pirate type scenario. I know they're, they're not doing it very well right now, but where they're going to throw really good pitching at you. And then you're going to use analytics to build Almost like Moneyball, right? Analytics to build like their team around it. So, whereas Garrett Cooper might not be the sexiest player in the world, he does have a possibility of flashing really good statistical numbers just because of the team that he's on, what's being asked of him. And, you know, quite honestly, how he reacts to it. So right now he's hitting. And Miami needs offense. So, sure, why not take a chance on him? If you need a player for next week, take a chance on him. I'll tell you, I watched last night Luis Garcia for the Astros. Really impressive pitcher. Three and three with a two nine three ERA, one point oh two WHIP, and fifty four Ks to sixteen walks over forty six innings pitched. He's got an unconventional delivery. Uh, he almost has a reliever's delivery, where he <coughs> he does this rock side to side. But the thing about him is his stuff is good. And while they want him to be a reliever, if they do use him as a reliever, I, I believe he'll be more of an influencer, a guy that can get a lot of decisions. And, and he's really tough to hit. He throws a fastball. I think it's a it's almost like a slurve combo. And, and he locates really well. Really well. So, got 
happens everywhere. Kind of got to speed it up here because I want to talk about a few other things here. Um, I, I, I love doing that, though, right? Like just talking about guys that can influence you. Guys that, you know, when you're throwing in a DFS lineup, looking at who's hot over the short term. And then also, you know, for a year long, it's important to do that stuff. I do want to talk about, and I want to ask a question out there. You know, who, who's the most undervalued prospect out there that you want all the ownership of? Right? So I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about Wander Franco. I'm not talking I'm not talking about any of these guys that are like mainstream guys. I'm talking about so for instance, I want all the shares of Sam Hoff. All the shares of Sam Hoff. And I know he's injured. I think he's out for the year. But if you're in any sort of dynasty keeper type format where you keep minor league players, I want all the Sam Hoff. This is a 40 homer catcher talent. And since he's out this year, everybody's just kind of discarded him. Discarded him. I want all the shares of Quinn Prister. Guys, here's the thing. Get on board getting Pirates prospects now before everybody else in in every league you're in starts to get wise to what they got going on. Quinn Prister is going to be a top 10 prospect this time next year. Um, I think he was the seventh overall pick out of the 2019 draft. Uh, high school pitcher. Really a, a dominant skill set. Look for him to, to fly up the prospect charts. Um, I'm taking him wherever I can. Another Pirates prospect I want all the shares of that's underrated. And I'm probably going to butcher his name. Ronzi Contreras um, came over in one of the offseason trades. I think he came from New York. I think he came in the Tyone trade. He has been out of sight since he's been called up. And I believe he's now tuna double A. A strikeout pitcher, um, really good command and control. Look for him to be a fast riser. Um, look for him to even probably get a spot here in Indianapolis um, later on this summer. Looking at, yes, I said that earlier, Randall. Thank you. Uh, and, and you know, so the other part about that, just to kind of go back to it real quick, um, Waters is slumping awfully right now. He's in a one for 18 slump. You need to see him come out of that, right? Once he comes out of that, look for him to be the left fielder in Atlanta. It's just a matter of time. Durf, you're really lucky you got him. I, I honestly, I have him one place. I talked about him. I talked about him two years ago um, on another network. I can't remember where it was. I have selective memory. Um, but, you know, I, I think I was the first one to talk about Alec Manoa. And, and, and again, he's the ace of that staff moving forward. That's hefty words, but I believe in it. I believe in it. Um, here's a name to write down, guys. This guy's going really overlooked, but you're going to hear a lot about him in the next couple months. 
20-year-old Riley Green. He's already in double way for the Detroit Tigers. The fifth overall pick of the 2019 draft. He's probably still a year away. But this guy is a hitter. This guy is a different type of skill set. He's one of those guys that I say this, I say this a little tongue-in-cheek. He's very Juan Soto-esque in his approach. High bat to ball skill, high OBP, ability to hit for power at a young age. He's starting to get a little bit of notoriety, but and he, he's already a high prospect, but he's one of those guys that a lot of people have forgotten about because they didn't play minor league baseball last year. How about guys that are just getting called up? Estevan Florial getting an opportunity for the Yankees. A 21-year-old center fielder. Plus, plus speed. Probably needs a little bit more development on the power side. I, I'm lukewarm on this. I, he, he could be a, a cheap stolen base option. I, I don't know how much the Yankees are going to let him run. That's the only problem with that. He's one to definitely keep an eye on. Um, I wouldn't go spending the bank on Fab. He's one of those guys that I might throw a dollar in on this week and hope you get him. Hope people have forgotten about him. But if he goes out and gets a couple hits, they'll, they'll be on top of him pretty quickly. Spencer Howard had another pretty good outing today. Um, you know, he, he's one of these guys, he's a really young pitcher, doesn't have a whole lot of experience outside of uh, IA. But you got to pitch for the for the Phillies a decent amount last year. Wasn't terribly effective, but didn't embarrass himself. Looks like he's up, could be up for a while. And let's be honest, the Phillies could use some pitching. Who couldn't? How about Nate Pearson? We saw that Manoa today. Nate Pearson's not far behind him. Right? Um, really like this kid. Liked him last year. Clearly needed just a touch more refinement. But I feel like this year he is going to be closer to a finished product. How about Jaron Duran? I, I was answering some questions online today um, about Duran. And I think it was a Red Sox group. Um, but... Basically saying, well, you know, it's time to call him up with, uh, I can't remember who it was that got cut or injured. It doesn't matter. Um, maybe Kike's injured. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But, you know, here's the thing to know about Jaron Duran. If you're looking at, like, kind of prospect hunting, getting the guy ahead of time, please know this about Jaron Duran. He is playing for the USA Olympic qualifying team in a tournament. And... He's not going to be available to be called up until probably the first week of June. I think June 5th is when the the uh, tournament ends. So if they qualify then, he'll go back to the Olympics. Um, and at the end of – I think it's the end of 
June, early July. He'll be out for another two weeks. So look for Duran to come up right after that qualifier. But if if they don't qualify, I guess there's another qualifier where they can qualify. I don't know. The Olympics are weird. I'm so Duran's call-up is directly impacted by what happens with those qualifiers. So pay attention to that and know that before you go out spending a whole bunch of fab, fab on a guy that you're going to have to sit on for a month. Not saying you're going to have to sit on him for a month. There's a possibility. That's my only point. The thing about Duran is, whereas everybody in the world seems to know about Vidal Brujan, Duran's a little bit less notarized. And quite honestly, um, he's starting to get a little bit of helium because he's hitting some, for some more power. But he's hit seven home runs in 18 games, guys. This guy, those his his calling card is his legs. So when he comes up, you want him for the stolen bases. All right, guys, this is what you're waiting for. We've got 10 minutes left. Come back at 10 o'clock. Join me and Randall, the other angle with Chappie and RC. We're going to talk some more baseball. I got about six pages of notes I'm not going to be able to get to, Randall. Marco Luciani, is he going to hit enough to move? Really struggling able. That's the thing, right, where um, these guys – now, Luciano, he's one of those names that you really have to <clears> – <throat> once he gets going, he's going to – he's gonna. I, I, they're going to move him quickly. But, you know, I – I'd be a little concerned. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes, got you know, we've talked about it. Some of the best building blocks I've ever had in my life has come directly due to failure. So when these guys, that's why I love a guy like Cabrian Hayes. He's failed. The Pirates pushed him, and he's failed at multiple levels. So he doesn't get flustered. When um, things aren't necessarily going his way. He'll be back soon, by the way. If you're in a shallow league, now's the time to pick up Cabrian Hayes. Probably two weeks. So let's talk about that, right? We're talking about waiver wire futures. The guys that are going to be big on fab next week. Let's get them this week. Who am I talking about? Who's hot on this week? I got a bunch of them, guys. I got four of them here. How about Seth Brown? Seth Brown, outfielder for Oakland. He's hit 231. Eight homers, 15 runs, and 19 RBIs. He's sitting second for the A's. Eight homers and 19 RBIs in his last 33 games. That projects out to a 40-homer, 94-RBI season. And here's the great part, guys. This is from a night or two ago, so it may have changed a little bit. He's rostered in 3% of Yahoo Leagues, 19% of CBS, and 24% of Fantrack Leagues. These are the guys we're talking about. Eight homers in his last 33 games. Hitting second for the A's. Love him. Love him. If you can pick him, pick him up. Durf, pick him up. Pick him up. Brad Miller. Yes, that Brad Miller. 
could be playing every day for the Phillies now. He's carrying, you know, he's one of those hit or miss guys. Currently, he's carrying a really solid fantasy profile. 329, five homers, 17 runs, 13 RBIs, and three stolen bases. The industry is going to start catching up to this guy. Currently, he's 20% owned on fan tracks, 13% owned on Yahoo, and 9% owned on CBS. You're talking about a guy that could hit 2015 and carry you a 300 plus average. We've seen him do it before, guys. You're getting him for free. Throw a dollar on him this week. He might be a little bit more than that, honestly, with the uh, with the Harper News. Mentioned, mentioned him earlier. Justin Upton is in a perfect situation here. The Angels have to manufacture offense. Yes, his batting average stinks. But you know what? It's a lot better in that leadoff spot. He's hit homers in each of the last two nights. Hitting behind Otani Rendon isn't a terrible thing. We could be talking about Justin Upton as a major pickup this time next week. How about Miguel Andujar? This is my favorite of these, of all of these guys that I just talked about. I love Miguel Andujar. He's hit 213. Zero homers, four RBIs, 29, or two, or four runs, two RBIs. But over the last week, he's hitting 304 with a double, two runs, and two RBIs. Now, you got to project a little bit here, right? But here's the thing. He's played every night but one for the last seven nights. He's had a hit in seven of his last nine games, and he's had three multi-hit games during that time. Again, I stress no homers yet. We're talking about a guy in 2018 who hit 297. 27 homers and 47 doubles. As a 23-year-old, guys, Andohar still has major upside. A lot of the industry shied away from him. I am leaning in right here. I love Miguel Andohar. I think he's a real pickup option, especially, again, if you're trying to surf it. There's a, a strong possibility that he hits three homers this week. All right, guys, come back and check me out at 10 o'clock. I want to talk some more baseball. I want to talk a little bit more holistically, right? We didn't get to talk much about, you know, some of the happenings. We looks like we got a Yankees-Red Sox uh, rivalry back again. Uh, both of those teams are relevant. Um, how about the White Sox and them crushing left-handed? Shohei's pitching tonight. So – Randall and I still have plenty to talk about. We're going to talk some football, too. That's really important as well because, look, guys, here we are. We're headed into June. We're looking at a month, month and a half before we start revving up fantasy football drafts. 
So you want to be ahead of the game there. So we're going to talk a little bit about philosophy and what we're looking at doing going into this year's uh, fantasy football draft. So come back at 10 o'clock. Chaps Fantasy Chat at 8, the other angle at 10. Draft for Upside, find us at iLogic Media. Thank you guys so much for the support. I hope you appreciate the content. I love doing this. Death, taxes, and Manoa. See you guys in an hour.